I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. The thing about riding the mechanical bull is it doesn't get easier toward the end. It gets harder. And that's when you find out how good you are. It's high noon for Monday, April 5th, 2021. Follow the podcast. On the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find the podcast on Gab and Parlor at I'm your moderator. And if you want some shirts or something, go to www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 75th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate. Ventriloquist dummy fake proxy president Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where he would cheer on Major League Baseball lying about election integrity bills and taking their little ball and little bat and leaving Georgia right after signing a new distribution deal with. The Chinese Communist Party didn't see that coming, did ya? Doesn't matter. It came anyway. He's also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history. And that includes Dr. Jill Biden, who we have to respect for writing a paper about community colleges and dressing completely inappropriately for a first lady. Don't you remember how much shit Melania Trump got any time she would put on anything? And now we have Jill Biden with her mask and her fishnets and her high heels prancing around like she's a fashion model. She's not. Even though Joe Biden said in a 1974 interview that Jill was just so hot and basically had a playboy body. Don't believe me? I put the article up today in the information stream. Did I just find it today? Of course not. But every now and then, it's nice to listen to the classics. Joe Biden is also the father of one of the most despicable sons in world history, Hunter Biden, who has been doing the press junkets for his little book that someone else wrote. And over the last few days, we've learned that not only did Hunter have a relationship with his dead brother's wife, but he started that relationship before his brother died. That's classy. Also, Hunter used to scour his carpets for crack. 
and occasionally found out it was just grated Parmesan cheese. Yet he is still the smartest guy Joe Biden knows. But wait, 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 it gets worse. Hunter also has zero recollection of sleeping with the stripper and or prostitute who is now father of his illegitimate child who he then failed to pay child support for. But that's not a big deal because he's on the good team. So congratulations, communists. You've shown everyone how moral you are. Now, I hope you all had a wonderful Easter weekend, if that's the sort of thing you celebrate. There is so much fun stuff to talk about in today's episode. So let's get started. But hold on. We can't get started until we say a warm welcome to all of the redeemable communists who might be tuning in for the first time. Hi, communist. Welcome to the show. I hope you're listening because one day you would like to be an American and it will probably only take you three to four weeks, maybe eight on the outside to realize being American is so much better than being a communist because you accept people's freedom to be different than you are and think different things and do different things and want the jobs that they want rather than the ones that you want them to have. They can treat their bodies the way they want. They can raise their kids without teaching them to hate themselves and their country. It's great. Trust me. So I hope you stick around. I'm going to make fun of you. I hope it doesn't hurt you. But if it does, know that you completely deserve it. And that if you just get through those first few days, everything's going to be sunshine and roses and red, white, and blue. And you'll be like, oh, yeah, I actually do have a responsibility to the country that made my life so easy and so nice that I could pretend that communism was a good idea. So strap in, commies. We have a country to save. Here's a communist that the redeemable communists have probably paid attention for and thought, oh, yeah, she's doing God's work. Her name is Sarah. I think that's how you say it. Rao. And she is essentially just a boilerplate feminist communist who spends way too much time on Twitter and now hosts dinners where she will go tell rich white ladies how racist they are for $2,500 a pop. But she had an interesting statement on Twitter about a week ago. I just saw it this weekend. Apologies. But she simply tweeted, American schools are white supremacist factories. And initially, it's easy to look at a statement like that and be like, ah, you silly commie. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But and on first glance, it absolutely is the dumbest thing you've ever heard. It implies zero knowledge of how anything else works in the rest of the world. It is just a repetition of the slogan that America is racist and therefore we all are racist by supporting 
the country in which we were born. But let's think about what she's actually said a little bit more. Let's assume that what she said is true, that schools in America are white supremacy factories, right? First, who runs the schools in America? Democrats, communists. Who controls the teachers? Oh, Democrats and communists again via the unions. Who profits off the teachers unions? Democrats and communists. Who continues to tell us that we don't have nearly enough funding for these schools? That's Democrats and communists. And they say it while they are letting hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants come into the country who they will then filter right into these same public schools, making it so that everyone there fails to get an education. Who's responsible for that, pray tell? Democrats and communists. So right there, her little tweet should seem blatantly self-defeating. Of course, she's a communist and the people who follow her are communists and everyone she knows is a communist. So they don't think about the things they actually say. They're just repeating the slogans. It doesn't matter if the slogan that they're repeating exposes them as complete liars detached from reality. They don't care about that at all. But wait, 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 it gets worse. The other thing about Saira Rao's tweet is that we can also discuss whether or not the school's are indeed white supremacist factories. It would be clear that whatever the schools are, they were made that way by Democrats and communists. But we don't think of our public schools as white supremacist factories because nothing in those schools is taught that would lead one to be a white supremacist, right? They're not teaching racism in our public schools. They simply are not. In fact, they are teaching the communist agenda more and more and more and more and more to whatever extent they are teaching racism. It certainly isn't pro-white racism, but how else could America's schools be white supremacy factories? Well, white supremacy in their minds is not a totally coherent concept. But if I'm going to try to give them the best version of what they think that means, then they are basically talking about propping up a an entrenched power structure in a way that makes it impossible from people of disadvantaged minority communities to excel in life. And what would be the best way to do that? I would suggest that sending kids to public schools that are overcrowded, underfunded, trying to teach young children in a multilingual, multicultural environment that is simply too much for them to learn successfully in an environment where in densely populated urban communities dominated by ethnic minorities, 
where poverty is generational, crime is ever present, drugs and sex and other things that can lead kids instantly astray and down the wrong path from where they cannot return. Those places as well are run by Democrats. So what could prop up white supremacy more than creating a permanent underclass and making sure that that permanent underclass is primarily made up of minorities? And that's what's happening. That's exactly what's happening. So it turns out that this communist might actually be correct. And of course, just not the way she wants to be correct. And that is the only way communists are ever correct. They might hit a truth accidentally, not realizing that it just boomerangs back into their faces. That is what people like Saira Rao. I'm going to nail it one of these times. That's what people like her do. This is her thing. She has made herself money just being a public communist because she is 100% willing to say spectacularly stupid things knowing that not only is no one really going to argue with her, no one with power, I mean, they're actually going to empower her message. They're going to praise her for this ridiculous rock dumb communism that she preaches because they're afraid of disagreeing with her because if they disagree with her, oh, then they're part of the problem and then they can be called racist and they can be called white supremacists. And we know that the members of the party of false decorum simply cannot tolerate that. Let's change subjects without a segue. Maria Bartiromo was doing an interview yesterday and she brought my attention to an AP report that said each immigrant in custody right now costs $775 a day. Okay. And now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, but let's just focus on one person, $775 a day. That's $5,425 per week. That's $282,100 a year. That much money is earned by only 2 to 3% of Americans. Okay? So the expenditure on each one of those immigrants is more than 97 plus percent of Americans make when extrapolated to a year. Isn't that incredible? I would love to see the Venn diagram of two two circles here, right? I'm going to make this Venn diagram just appear like a, like a mind picture. Like I just put up a TV right in front of you and now you got the information but it's all Venn diagrams on this TV. It's the Venn diagram channel. So one circle, the two to 3% of Americans who make more than $282,100 a year. And the other circle is the commies, Obamis, Maskies, and Romneys 
who voted for Joe Biden. And I have a feeling that those two circles almost overlap. You might not be able to see it just on that TV in two dimensions. If you put on some 3D glasses and then think a little harder about what I'm saying, you'll notice there actually are two circles, but they probably overlap almost exactly. For everyone else, wouldn't you like to have the government spend one fourth of what they spend on each illegal immigrant on you? How much would each American citizen who's been put out of a job by the communist response to coronavirus benefit from an extra $175 a day, let's say, because I don't want to do the hard math. I think it's about 187.50. Just guessing. Could be wrong. Someone can check me. Now I'm going to feel like I'm definitely wrong and I have to pause the recording and do the math and then come back but I'm not going to because I am rebelling against math. I know that I would love an extra $282,100, but I totally understand because I'm a big hearted communist that those illegal immigrants are escaping really bad places. They're fleeing prosecution. And they're coming here and yeah, they're paying smugglers to only take their child here so the child can get across the border and then the parents can be reunited with the child in the United States. And it only costs $775 a day per person. But we are so compassionate that we care about all those people we don't know more than our neighbors, our family and our friends. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that amazing? We have forgotten every value that could possibly matter so that we can pretend to other people that we are on the nice side of an issue that we don't know anything about. Congratulations, Kami. You did it again. $775 a day. Are we going to pretend that that's how much it costs to put immigrants under a bridge? And give them a blanket and a sandwich and some water every day? Of course not. So where's all the rest of the money going? Huh. Don't want to figure that out. That might be too much work. And you know what? If we question the narrative at all, that's racist. And right there, we get right back to being smart again. Hey, you know what? I figured out a way not to worry about this thing. Back to being smart. Thank you party of false decorum, pour me another drink. Are you ready for another wild ride? Here's a conspiracy. This is from the U.S. version of the U.K. company, The Sun. Now, is The Sun an extremely reputable news outlet? No, it's not. Does it need to be for what I'm about to show you? Nope. This is an article from Saturday, updated yesterday, they must have had new information, by a man named Henry Holloway. And the headline reads, Troubling Message. Capital suspect Noah Green sent worrying text before attack and posted, U.S. Gov is number one enemy of black people. So, I don't think that Henry Holloway the man who idolizes Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, 
not making it up. It's on his Facebook. It's a fact. It's undisputed. Stop thinking what you're thinking, commie, or you won't be so redeemable. You're just going to have to let this one go. Noah Green went and killed a Capitol Police officer in broad daylight with his car because he thinks that the U.S. government is the number one enemy of black people. Unlike every communist out there who's listening to this, every normal person with any perspective that goes outside of the places you film yourself eating, for instance, knows that that's not true. In fact, it's insane. It is the opposite of true. Black people in the United States do better than any other place in the world. Black wealth in the United States is enormous. Black opportunity in the United States is enormous. The only reason you think that black people can't excel in the United States is because you're so racist that you buy into ideas like black people can't get ID or black people can't use the Internet. And then you see pictures on television of black people shooting each other in gang-related crime. Or you could just live in Chicago and look outside. Or you see black people who are dying of fentanyl overdoses while being arrested for using counterfeit money, a felony by the way, that requires the person to be arrested. It doesn't matter if it's, oh, it's only $20. And you know, black people don't have $20. Yeah, they do. I know a bunch of rich black people. They got their own $20. They don't go around being like, hey, I'm black. I'm going to pass off counterfeit bills. The only people who believe that sort of thing are racists and communists. And it's strange how those always overlap, isn't it? The Democrat Party has not ventured away from the KKK or from Jim Crow. It's the same. It's the same concept and it's the same people. And you can know that because Joe Biden's mentor in politics was a man named Robert Byrd, who also mentored Hillary Clinton. Robert Byrd was a former Grand Klegel and exalted Cyclops in the Klan. But that doesn't matter because Joe Biden is on the good side, right? That is what we're taught to believe, is it not, my communist friends? But knowing that it simply is not true that the U.S. government is the number one enemy of black people, unless, of course, you're talking about all the communist elements inside that government, and then I would agree. But the U.S. in general is not an enemy to black people. The only way that anyone might think that is through a decades long disinformation campaign. And who exactly has run this decades long disinformation campaign? One might suggest that it's the Democrats and communists and the communist media, the state media, the propaganda media. Does this sound crazy? If it does, it's because you've never actually thought about any of this. Because as soon as you actually do start thinking about it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. How else could it have happened? So essentially, 
what we have here is a an act of domestic terror, okay? This kid, Noah Green, believed in a wildly evil, pernicious, dangerous conspiracy theory about his place in society. And this pernicious, evil conspiracy theory has been messaged to him throughout his life, but particularly in the last, let's say, oh, when was Obama elected? 2008, 13 years. This act also had political motivation, clearly stated. And when we're talking about domestic terrorism or any kind of terrorism, it's not just that someone did something violent and you heard about it. That's not what terrorism is. Terrorism is violence with a political goal. That is what Noah Green had. Noah Green is also a Nation of Islam guy, a Farrakhan supporter. Who else supports Farrakhan? Well, all of the woke Democrat communists in Congress Do we need to pretend that's not true? Maybe we should look up and find out who Tamika Mallory is, for instance. She was one of the leaders of the Women's March, that very important movement. I wonder what she thinks about Louis Farrakhan. Oh, yeah, she loves him. How many of our members in Congress support the BDS movement? It turns out There's a lot of members of the Democrat Communist Party who actually think exactly the same thing as Noah Green, and they say it constantly on television, and they are praised by other communists for doing so, even though the thing they're saying is not true, is racist at its core, and is inherently violent. You got all the elements right there. And then Noah Green believes this conspiracy goes to the Capitol with political aims and kills somebody in an act of domestic terrorism. And it seems like the media has already forgotten about it. Isn't that strange? We heard for a week about how a kid who's, I guess, perverted, delusional, deranged, has a very sick problem with sex, how he went and shot up eight people. Six of them were workers in Asian massage parlors, and two of them were white. And we were told that that was a domestic terror incident that was motivated by white supremacy and anti-Asian hate that came from Donald Trump calling the China virus the Kung flu or the Wuhan flu or the Wu flu. But that story, too, has kind of gone by the wayside because every other instance of violence that we've heard about over the last few weeks, and there have been quite a lot, a remarkable increase since Donald Trump, quote unquote, left office. But none of those attackers and none of those incidents fit the profile. They don't fit the Democrat communist narrative. 
So we don't hear about them anymore. When the Capitol Police allowed Antifa and Proud Boys who are working with the FBI. By the way, you got to understand there's no one on the Trump side of things that makes any claim of the Proud Boys. None of us like them. None of us care about them. You know what? We don't join groups. That is communists. And when multiple leaders of the Proud Boys are working in concert with the FBI, it starts getting real hard to pin that on MAGA, doesn't it? But after January 6th, we were told that the country essentially had to go to war with Trump voters because now they're all domestic terrorists and they're very, very responsible for the extremely violent insurrection. Even though they weren't. And now I'm not saying none of them got mixed up in it. I'm not saying that. I understand that's true. They didn't organize it. And they weren't executing it. And the Capitol Police let them in. Okay? So that thing, we need a warlike response to. We need to censor people. We need to remove apps from the app store. <laughs> but now we have an actual instance of domestic terrorism by a black man supporting Islam. Silence. That means nothing to us anymore. That doesn't matter. We are supposed to believe that somehow QAnon caused the January 6th incident. But there is no ideology behind what Noah Green did. He's just maybe got a problem with drugs or mental illness or whatever else we can explain it with. No big deal. Hey, communists, why don't you guys focus some time on figuring out exactly what happened in the Las Vegas massacre? Okay, because you were told that was white supremacy, too, because they took down Stephen Paddock and he just happened to be a white guy. And I'm sure the CIA did not know him before that incident, except they did. But perfect patsy for that. So I guess we don't need to look further. We have no idea what the motivation is. Do we? Just one man alone. In his hotel room. Starts shooting way more people than he could possibly ever shoot. And then killed himself. That's all we need to know, right? No big deal. The most extreme incidents get virtually no attention. Unless they can be used to advance the Democrat communist agenda, gun control, censorship, invasions into privacy, restrictions on movement and assembly. The idea that this isn't obvious to everyone is mind blowing to me. And we're meant to think that the people who believe the standard media line are the smart people because they have received their information from trusted sources. Imagine if we went through our lives that way. No matter what happens, 
who just keep believing the same story, no matter how dumb it is, no matter how detached from reality it is, we just keep on going. And we continue to believe that these insane positions that the communists prop up with media, with Hollywood, with tech, with censorship, that's the only way these narratives survive, by the way. There's no organic way these narratives can survive. And I wrote on Parler yesterday, and I've been thinking about this a lot. There are two ways to make a narrative stick, to convince everyone of one thing. There are two ways to do that. The first is by truth, right? Two plus two is four. Everyone's going to believe that. You can explain it to them. It's also math, so of course. But you can make people believe true things. And that belief can be widely held. Now, it's also possible for people to believe false things en masse. And how does that happen? Well, that happens by force. And whether that force is the conditioning effect of constant repetition of false narratives or whether it's actual censorship and threats of destruction or the end of your financial future or bodily harm. Two ways, truth or force. But without that force, without these external motivations, no one would believe these communist ideas. They are so stupid. And the stupidest of all the communist ideas is that communism works. And we have an educated class, in quotes, of people in our country who support that idea and argue for that idea. We have universities that teach that idea and convince other communists that that stuff is true. The idea that communism works might be the stupidest idea in the entire world. If someone can think of a dumber idea than communism works, please get in touch with me and tell me about it. Because I actually want to think about this. What could be dumber than the idea that communism works? And when we understand that that's the dumbest idea in the world, how is it that so many people accept the truth of it? Well, that's by force. That's by conditioning through repetition of false narratives. And what you do with that is you separate people from reality because they force themselves eventually after being forced externally, they force themselves to believe complete falsehoods and then they repeat them to other people. And if those other people don't have the character or the knowledge to respond, hey, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard then the person, by repeating this thing to another person who agrees with them, it actually reinforces the idea for both of them, even though neither of them have ever considered that idea. And so these ideas perpetuate. And what we have now is a situation where a very, very small percentage of people in this country imagine themselves to be an overwhelming majority of people in this country because every large cultural institution reinforces these ideas to them, even though they are patently false. 
And we see that happening with the Major League Baseball thing this weekend. You know, Friday afternoon, Major League Baseball decided it was going to take the All-Star game and the Major League Baseball draft out of Atlanta, costing the city of Atlanta a lot of money. And they did this because apparently the people at the top of Major League Baseball are too stupid to understand that nothing about that Georgia election integrity bill makes it harder for anyone to vote, much less black and brown people. But of course, it doesn't matter if that's true. It matters if the deal with Tencent goes through. That's Major League Baseball's statement of values. Now, here we have boom segue. Marco Rubio did something worthwhile, which is a rare occurrence, but not totally unheard of. Rubio this morning penned a a little letter to the commissioner of Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred. Dear Commissioner Manfred, I write to ask you whether you intend to maintain your membership at Augusta National Golf Club. As you are well aware, the exclusive members only club is located in the state of Georgia. Last week, you, quote, decided that the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's all-star game, end quote, from Atlanta because of Georgia's revised election law. It is a decision that will have a bigger impact on countless small and minority owned businesses in and around Atlanta than the new election law ever will. And one that reeks of hypocrisy. Will Major League Baseball now end its engagement with nations that do not hold elections at all, like China and Cuba? Will you end your lucrative financial relationship with Tencent, a company with deep ties to the Communist Party and actively helps the Chinese government hunt down and silence political dissidents? Since Major League Baseball now appears to use its platform to demonstrate unwavering support for fundamental human rights, Will you cease your relationship with the Chinese government, which at this very moment is committing genocide against Uyghur Muslims in the Xinjiang Uyghur Autonomous Region? I am, of course, under no expectation any of this will happen. Taking the All-Star Game out of Georgia is an easy way to signal virtues without significant financial fallout. But speaking out against the Chinese Communist Party would involve a significant loss of revenue and being closed out of a lucrative market. In the end, as a citizen of a free nation, you and Major League Baseball have the right to speak out against laws in the United States you disagree with, even if it's on the basis of false information. What would be truly bold, however, is if you would speak out on behalf of the voiceless who face arbitrary imprisonment, forced sterilization, coerced abortions, rape, and other horrific acts at the hands of one of your business partners. I am under no illusion that Major League Baseball will sacrifice business revenue on behalf of its alleged corporate values. Similarly, I'm under no illusion you intend to resign as a member of Augusta National Golf Club. To do so would require a personal sacrifice, as opposed to the woke corporate virtue signaling of moving the all-star game from Atlanta. Sincerely, Marco Rubio. Now, not a big Rubio fan. He basically seems like he's always out for number one. I don't trust that he's a patriot. And I don't trust that he's not corrupt. That said, this response is a neutron bomb. I'm just burning, doing the neutron dance. Remember that song? Probably not. 
I do. Why? Old. Now, while we're on the subject of the Georgia election law, some of the discussion, and this comes from Biden as well as all the communists on Twitter, has been about the idea that people in line to vote are not allowed to be given water. That idea is completely false. What's being prevented is political organizations walking up and down the line of voters, giving out snacks and water while electioneering. And if you voted in person in the 2020 election, I think that you probably saw this sort of thing going on. Desks, booths, whatever you call them set up for candidates so that people can actually try to convince you to vote for their candidates on your way in to the polling place. That's electioneering. That has been illegal in all over the place for a very long time. Now, you might still say, okay, I get your point, but these poor black people, right? Because that's who we're always looking out for. It's never about us. It's never about our goals, our needs. It's not about the fact that the communists actually just don't want secure elections. They can't come out and say that. They can't come out and say what their true motivation is. So they're going to tell everybody else that they're simply saving poor black people, right? It's always poor black people, poor black people. I look forward to the day where the black community, I hate the word community, but I look forward to the day when the black community and the Hispanic community and the Asian community and every other community just rids themselves of the desire to be part of the party of false decorum. And they actually think, man, why do they keep exploiting people with my skin color for political goals that have nothing to do with me? That is a great thought to have moving forward. There is literally nothing about the Georgia law regarding the snacks and water and electioneering that harms any of these people. And I don't mean these people like that. It doesn't harm anybody. The communists are creating the group of people that this harms, but it doesn't harm them. And if you don't believe me, then you just need to look a little bit further because nothing in that bill prevents the polling places from having snacks and water outside that people can access on their own. The bill is specifically targeted at making sure that electioneering is not part of the voting process. And it was last time again among the hundreds of illegalities involved in the 2020 election. This is a minor one, but political parties, political operatives should not be allowed to walk up and down lines of people waiting to vote and try to convince them to do a certain thing and then give them a gift for it. And you're like, Oh, well food and snacks. That's not a gift. Okay. Well, what about when they give them gift cards? Is that a gift? (laughs) It literally says it in the name. Did that not happen? Oh, yes, it did. Who do they target with that? Native Americans. 
Don't believe me? You have the same machines I do. Just stop using Google and go to a real search engine where they give you reality. But I know what you're thinking, Redeemable Kami. You're like, okay, fine. I understand the water thing, but the rest of it is right. (laughs) Black people really are too dumb to go get driver's licenses and use the internet like Joe Biden says. Well, that's racist, Kami. It's pretty, pretty racist. In fact, there are really only a few things that I can think that are more racist than that. But who's saying it? Democrat communists. Now, if one of these Democrat communists was engaged with me in an argument about this, and I explained all of this to them, would they let the point go? Yes to me, right? In public, they would let that point go. They would realize that this is provably true, what I'm saying. And they'd be like, oh, shit, well, I don't want to like embarrass myself anymore. So, okay, fine. And then they'll just turn to a different argument or they'll get angry or they'll leave. But here's where they won't let it go. When they're with anyone else, if the person they are talking to is deemed by them to be a serious person who probably knows about things and might speak up for the truth rather than just agreeing to comply with social norms, they'll silence that point. They won't make it. But if they get around other people in the party of false decorum, other ignorant people, they will repeat that thing, knowing it's wrong, so that they can have the agreement and they can have the social credit for saying it in the first place. And most communists surround themselves with other dumb communists. So what happens is they simultaneously convince each other that the thing they're saying is actually true when it isn't at all. And neither of them can explain it, but they both feel totally empowered by their agreement. And they're like, Oh yeah, man. Well, this guy, he told me, he told me that that's actually not how that bill works, but thank God for you, commie. You just agreed that it is how it works. And between the two of us, I'm sure that we've done our research. I can see it in the shoes that you wear. You're like somebody who does research. (laughs) They really do judge things this way. Oh yeah. This person has a Tesla. They must be smart. They probably know what they're talking about. Oh, they get Apple news notifications. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very smart. Very smart. Very smart. I read the Wall Street Journal. Yes, you read the Wall Street Journal when the Apple news notification shows you what to read in the Wall Street Journal. You dumb fucking commie. Okay, you don't know anything. You're still wrong, even when someone with a Tesla agrees with you. Because that's not how facts work. And imagine for a second that all these communists weren't actually the most privileged people in the world. And again, proper definition of privilege, whichever decision you make, nothing bad can happen. That's as quickly as I can say it, right? There is no social cost. There's no financial cost. There's no threat to a person's life or livelihood for being wrong about something so blatantly false. None whatsoever. In fact, they're gaining social credit every time they repeat the false thing because they are interacting only with people in the party of false decorum. 
And so these very stupid ideas spread. They can be shown to be wrong and then incorporate their wrongness on an issue to the point where they will not repeat the same wrong thing in front of someone that they think might be serious or might be honest or might speak up for themselves. But they'll still repeat it to everyone else so that they feel better about having been wrong and so that they have an agreement which reinforces their self-image. And that, my friends, is insane. Speaking of desperate, insane communists, I cheated there, not a real segue. Former director of CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. This is Chris Krebs. This is the one of the communists responsible for that silly letter where they said this is the most secure election of all time. Now, Chris Krebs is going to be in prison within the next few months. But here's his tweet on Saturday. Just a reminder, the 2020 presidential election was legit, exclamation point. Secure, comma, in fact. Record turnout to boot. Sounds to me like a model election. Some might not like the outcome, but the system the framers designed advanced the interests of the American voter as intended. Happy Easter. This is communist bullshit. First off, five months after the election, you should not still be needing to reaffirm out of nowhere how secure the election was. This is propaganda. If the election was secure, people would have accepted that by now. Of course, that's not the direction the narrative is going in. In fact, it's going the exact opposite direction. More and more people every day are understanding that what happened was the usurpation of the American presidency. Thankfully, it was all fraudulent and illegal, so it will quickly be reversed when the time is right. And we won't have to worry about communists like Chris Krebs interfering with our freedom in the future. But record turnout to boot, that means nothing. The record turnout was a result of millions and millions of fraudulent ballots that the communists simply created out of nothing. Now, I will direct all of you to the information stream on Telegram. This is the easiest way to find stuff. I swear I'm not advertising for myself. I genuinely don't care. And I think you guys know that by now. I just do my thing. And if it works out, wonderful. If it doesn't, I'll do something else. Okay. So go there. There is a video. It's a rumble video where Professor David Clemens, an attorney, speaks to a white hat hacker named Josh Merritt. And Josh Merritt worked with Sidney Powell on the 2020 election fraud stuff. But he's also done this for a while and has noticed election fraud in prior elections. And he has tried to publicize that information so that things like the 2020 election would have never happened. But they have about a three hour discussion. And Josh Merritt goes through ample, overwhelming proof of multiple elements of election fraud. Listen to him. It is undeniable. Okay. No person with a rational brain and an open mind could deny after hearing this 
that election fraud not only existed, but was widespread, overwhelming and changed the result of the election. Okay. And Merritt mentioned something that I have that's kind of slipped to the back of my mind over the last few months. And this was a thing called Maiden Gate that popped up online for a couple of days and was immediately just overwhelmingly censored and shut down. And what Maiden Gate was, was Susan Rice, who is another one of the shadow figures who's been running our government, at least the communist usurper side of our government for the entire time here, the last few years as Barack Obama sat in the shadows as a shadow president, Susan Rice was right next to him. These are two of the most evil, corrupt people in the world. And again, I voted for Barack Obama twice. Okay, it was not a happy day when I realized Barack Obama was basically as bad a person as could ever lead the United States. Okay, I don't like saying it didn't make me feel good. But eventually we have to grow up and accept hard truths. And that's one of them. All right. But Susan Rice basically ran a system where she registered 16 million voters based on women's maiden names. Okay, so a woman gets married. She takes her husband's name and then she registers to vote under her new legal name. Now, that leaves a real person out there with a former name that Susan Rice can then turn into an extra person by registering a voter under that name and information. So now these people who were married have two registrations. And some of them obviously have more than that, because if they move states like California, will just keep the prior registration and add a new one. This is how they generate these extra millions of voters. One of the ways I should say, obviously, illegal immigration is another way or they wouldn't be sending illegal immigrants by plane to places like Montana and other red states where they can form these little communities of new voters and everything in HR one. If you actually read it points in this direction, they're trying to get new voters. And if you consider 350,000 people coming into the country, and if you divide that number up and then send amounts of these immigrants targeted to places around the country where they want to enforce new communist systems. You can see the strategy emerge. You want to call that crazy? Look into it at all. In fact, you don't even need to look into it. You can think I'm crazy. You can think I'm stupid. And then you'll find out in a few months or a year or a few years that I was exactly right. Which if people were honest, if for instance, my former Hollywood acquaintances were honest. They would already be writing me daily apologizing for how they acted last year when I told them the truth about the coronavirus. They don't care. Right? I also told everyone the truth about mail-in voting and how the election fraud was going to work. I did this in advance. Then it happened. And at the point where they finally accept that it's true, Will they write me and apologize then? No, of course not. Because they are not redeemable communists. They're just communists. And their brains will break and I'll 
go like one day and I'll never think of them again. But this stuff's not crazy. This stuff is happening. This guy, Josh Merritt, has proof of that happening. What do you think you could do with 16 million new fake voter registrations? What do you think you could do if you filtered these through an organization like Rock the Vote or LeBron James's fake organization, More Than a Vote? While these organizations have direct access to the voter registries in swing states, what do you think could happen if someone was to initiate an operation like this? Well, you could defraud the country. You could usurp the American presidency. But sure, commie, Joe Biden got 81 million votes while not campaigning. Sure, commie, think about that one just for a little while. Just like shake your head a little bit and ignore the sound of tiny pebbles clunking around. And think about what it would have taken for Joe Biden to get 81 million votes more than anyone ever. 15 million votes more than Hillary Clinton in 2016. 15 million. Now, Donald Trump's portion of the Hispanic population rose to 33% from 18%, 2016 to 2020. We're told the Hispanic population is the fastest growing population in the United States, and I'm sure it is. How is it that the fastest growing population in the United States increased their proportion of voters for Donald Trump by almost double. And Donald Trump lost by more. Does that make any sense to anyone? Of course it doesn't. Now, no communist is actually going to think about this or look into it and find out if what I'm saying is true. It is. I can save you the time, commie. There is no argument. There's just literally nothing possible that could convince any communist that Joe Biden got 81 million votes, except the rock dumb thought that everyone else hates Trump as much as you do and has no thoughts whatsoever about politics that are formed in their own brain. The only other thing that could convince them that Joe Biden had even a chance of winning that election is the polling. You know, the polls like say, oh, it's Biden plus eight. Oh, it's Biden plus 17 in Wisconsin. No, those polls were created to trick communists into believing that other people in the country agreed with them and to convince Trump supporters who literally struggle every day with the societal oppression that's being foisted upon them. They struggle every day with their faith and commitment. And those are suppression polls. They're supposed to make Trump supporters think, oh, yeah, you guys have no chance. No one agrees with you. You're crazy for even thinking the things you think. So don't bother voting. That's voter suppression, commies. And creating millions of fake ballots and stealing and ballot harvesting ballots from Hispanic and black communities. That's voter suppression. Running an algorithm 
that changes Joe Biden votes into being worth 1.24 and Donald Trump votes into being worth 0.76, that's voter suppression. Anything that takes us further away from one person, one vote, one legal citizen, one vote is voter suppression because you are devaluing the vote of every American. How many millions of votes did Donald Trump win by? I still think it's roughly around 15 million. I still think he won 45 plus states, and I still think we'll see that. You want to call me crazy? Go ahead. I know I'm not supposed to be saying these things. Oh, my God, someone someone might worry about my reputation. Hey, I'll worry about that, commie. I'm just here trying to tell you the truth as I see it. And if I'm wrong, my problem. If I'm right, you should know that you could have been right months and months and months and months and months ago. If you would listen to me instead of pretending that the New York Times and Apple News were good sources of information, instead of listening to Don Lemon cry, cry on TV, Don Lemon is not a man and it's got nothing to do with him being gay. Don Lemon is a liar and a fraud, and he uses this fake emotionality to convince people that somehow he has gravitas. Don Lemon is a bad actor who cries on command on television while pretending to report the news. And consider this, commies, especially you redeemable ones. Let's say, just grant me for a second, conceptually, that I'm right about all this. What would it look like for a fascist regime, a communist regime, a Nazi regime, a socialist regime. They're all the same. None of them are conservatives. They're collectivists. It is all the same. It is the same thing. It is leftism. That is what they want. There is no argument to that. Oh, but the fascists were right wingers. The Nazis were right wingers. No, they weren't. Grow up, commie. Time to think for yourself. But let's say I'm right. How is it that a communist party like the Chinese Communist Party or the American Democrat Party? How would they perpetuate all of these false narratives? On society to the point where 30 to 40 percent of the society actually believed them. Because they're dumb. And then went out. And spread this nonsense to everyone else. Well, you'd have to take control of institutions like the universities, the media, the big tech social media platforms that censor people, the Hollywood entertainment community that actually makes it look cute and nice and fun to be a rock dumb communist, the sports leagues. How about the public health sector? that tells you things absolutely anti-scientific and then says, this is the science, so you believe it. Does that sound smart to you, Kami? doesn't sound smart to me. In fact, it sounds like the stupidest thing on earth, which is why communists believe it, okay? Because once you have accepted that 
collectivist ideals and communist ideals are actually smart. Once you have already accepted into your core and made it part of your personality that the single dumbest idea in the history of the world is correct. Well, then you're really prepared to believe just about anything, aren't you? Now, one more ridiculous commie thing, and then let's talk about Q into the storm. Okay, so I know a bunch of people probably saw this video on Friday, but someone grabbed video of Pete Buttigieg being driven to work by the Secret Service in a black SUV and stopping like two blocks away so that Mayor Pete could take his bike out of the back of the SUV, strap his little helmet on, and pedal the last two blocks to work so that he could be photographed by waiting media as he arrived to work on his bicycle because he's trying to model good behavior. Did the same black SUV follow him on the way to work? Sure did. Now, apart from how stupid and dishonest this is, and it is both very stupid and extraordinarily dishonest. It is also absolutely patronizing and demeaning to think that we need good behavior modeled for us by Pete fucking Buttigieg, a guy no one had heard of two years ago. Pete Buttigieg is only notable for ruining the lives of black citizens in South Bend, Indiana. And Pete is modeling good behavior so that a bunch of child-brained communists actually think that the idea of taxing people based on the miles they drive is going to save the planet. Settle down, commies. You are not superheroes. You are not saving the planet, okay? You are never going to save the planet. No one would trust you to do anything. I wouldn't trust you communists to watch my dog. I would never even consider letting a communist watch my dog. Why? Because they don't care about anything other than taking pictures with my cute dog. I am a grown American man. I do not need a guy who used to work for some business consultancy and then was a bad mayor. I don't need him to model good behavior for me. Hey, Pete, I'll figure out my own morality. Thank you very much. I'll read my own data. Thank you very much. You having a SUV drive you to work, but stopping for the time it takes you to get a, a bicycle out of the car and pedal to work next to that SUV. That doesn't model good behavior for me. Imagine these communists just thinking, oh man, I was going to drive to work, but what would Mayor Pete do? Would Mayor Pete be ashamed of me? You know, Mayor Pete modeled really good behavior. So I think I'm going to drive my bike close to work, then take my bike out and pedal the rest of the way so that people know I ride a bike. But you know what? My buddy's going to drive, <laughs> drive the car the rest of the way just so that, 
you know, I don't have to ride the bike back. Like, there's not going to be any cameras out there when the workday is over. I'm just going to put the bike back in the car and take the car home like a normal person. Yes, very normal, Pete. Very moral, Pete. Congratulations. So, the two final episodes of Q Into the Storm were shown on HBO last night. Now, I don't know if I've said this yet about this show, but Q Into the Storm has the coolest opening sequence ever. Like the the theme music, the credits, that whole thing. It's basically like if the intro to Game of Thrones had a baby with Tron and Marble Madness. And I'm going to try to find it on the internet today. I'll put it on the uh, the info stream. It's weird. The HBO app on my phone, it doesn't like allow you to screen record. And that is super annoying to me. Like, hey, HBO, I already pay for you. Just give me the thing. I'm actually promoting your show. But the two episodes last night were still focused around on around who Q is and the documentary filmmaker. I'm not saying he's a bad documentarian. He's obviously a normie and commie and doesn't do a lot of hard thinking, but he is focused this entire time on the identity of Q, which is more or less irrelevant. He came down with the idea that Ron Watkins is in fact Q, and he believes that this was proven to him by Ron Watkins smiling after he said, I'm not Q. And he has a couple connections with posts. If he had devoted one tenth of the time that he spent figuring out who Q was and then these random, let's call them Ron proofs. Okay. Instead of Q proofs, Q proofs are the connections among posts and among real life events that prove that Q is really a genuine intelligence operation. And people like Donald Trump, Dan Scavino, Michael Flynn are involved with it. Okay. If the documentarian spent any time doing Q proofs, one tenth of the time that he spent doing Ron proofs, every single person who watched that show would be like, oh, yeah, Q's true. Why do they keep telling us that Q's not true and that it's just violent and false? And again, I'm not saying that Q is true. I'm saying that Q proofs presented in the same light as Ron proofs would convince every one of them. But that wasn't the documentarian's goal. He wanted to find out who Q was and what Q was all about. But the one option that he never considered throughout this entire process was that Q might actually be the real thing that people think it is. He gave no time to that in six hours, which is kind of mind blowing. I mean, it's also fine because Again, I still am on the side of thinking that this documentary might have woken up dumb communists to the fact that Q is not what they think it is. And it might make them, you know, slightly less delusionally angry toward even the letter Q at this point. So maybe the documentary 
served its purpose for that. Now, he focused a lot of the time in the documentary, a lot of the time on this guy, Frederick Brennan, who is in his description, a cripple. He is. He had a birth defect. He's a tiny person. His limbs are messed up. I think I don't I'm not trying to do him any disservice by saying any of this. Um, and I am not doing that as an attack based on what I think of his character. But I actually think his character makes him a real piece of shit, honestly. And it has absolutely nothing to do with his physical form. Um, he basically had a falling out with Jim and Ron Watkins and then spent a year or more of his life trying to defame them and get 8chan taken down and then get 8kun taken down. And it turns out he's actually guilty, most likely, of crimes in the Philippines because he was saying libelous and slanderous things against the Watkins. And he couldn't back these things up in court. And now he's in trouble. He actually fled the Philippines to avoid prosecution for criminal charges. And the documentarian acted like this was an, an escape from persecution rather than an escape from the law. And it was an escape from the law. But they paint Frederick Brennan as some sort of hero because his goal was to get Q completely shut down because, of course, he decided that the morally righteous viewpoint on Q was that it was so very dangerous. And we know that eventually things are going to get violent. There's probably 10 minutes of the final episode devoted to what people think about the run up to the election and what would happen if Donald Trump actually lost. It would prove Q false and everyone would go crazy and get violent. Well, that never happened. That just didn't happen at all. And the funniest thing is they're showing the events of the night before January 6th. And I said it that way, obviously, for a reason, not because I don't know that the night before January 6th is January 5th, but we know January 6th was the the very violent insurrection. The night before, there were crowds gathered to watch many of the speakers that the documentarian focused on throughout this documentary. There was no report of violence. There's no report of insurrection. Why? Because no one actually thought about that. Because that's not what they were there to do. They were there to look out for the integrity of the vote in the 2020 election that every rational person with two eyes and a full working adult brain could see was overwhelmingly fraudulent. All you have to do is look at any of the evidence, literally any of it. One single piece of evidence about what happened in the 2020 election should be enough for a normal person who actually embodies the ideals they espouse. That's all it takes for you to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's definitely messed up. Well, does that affect the entire election? And then you say, well, no, Kami, it doesn't. That in itself wouldn't have overturned the entire election. Like, let's say you're just looking at the fact that Mark Zuckerberg paid for the ballot drop boxes that were everywhere, and he intentionally put them in Democrat areas. That's one element. Communists should be able to accept the truth of that. And that should make them think, wow, that's, huh, that's not right. And then you tell them, well, you know, Mark Zuckerberg also paid for election judges. And then they think, oh, well, that's not right. And then you tell them, well, Mark Zuckerberg actually also paid for these activists 
in Barack Obama's indivisible organization, he paid them to go be poll workers so that they could keep certain ballots and throw out other ones, or they could stuff ballots into the machines over and over and over again. Yeah. He also paid for that too. And Mark Zuckerberg also gave money to these localities with clawback provisions so that if they didn't achieve the results he wanted, he could take that money back. Yeah, that happened too, Kami. So now we have just four elements related to Mark Zuckerberg that could easily show you that the election that was held was fraudulent. That's enough right there. But then you could start looking into, for instance, the statistical anomalies, the absolute impossibilities that the election happened the way the communists claim. And then you might say, oh, wow. Well, that fraud right there, that's definitely enough to overturn the election, isn't it? Yeah, Kami, it is. But then you could also look in Georgia, where they have 404,000 ballots that have absolutely no chain of custody. Every one of those ballots is illegal by the law. Every single one. Guess who they were for? Not Donald Trump, because Donald Trump's voters showed up in person. But then you might say, oh, well, maybe those ballots were the ones that we had videos of people throwing out. Oh, no, 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 that's not true either, because the people on those videos throwing out ballots, they were actually saying they were throwing out Trump ballots. That also happened, Kami. Did you ever think about that, Kami? Or did you just ignore it because Chris Krebs said, this is secure. And Jake Tapper said, everybody knows election fraud's not a real thing. That's what you did, isn't it, Kami? Claims of election fraud are baseless. Yeah, Kami, sure they are. Sure they are. Hey, Kami, let's talk about any single element of the election. Explain one to me. Can I quiz you? Let me ask you a few questions. If you can answer them all with things that make sense, and then you can supply a personal moral justification for that thing, then we're having a conversation. But you can't do that, and you won't do that. So instead, you'll call me racist and a conspiracy theorist. Does that work? Only to other idiots like yourself. Now, see what's happened here, redeemable communist? I've said a bunch of things about you that you don't like, and you're still alive. And the truth is you actually know more about the election right now than you did before you started this show. And if you keep doing this, then I'm going to turn you back into an American and you will look at your communist friends and be like, God, I was supporting those people and I was supporting them because they're like what, like good looking or rich or in a position of power where they might be able to wield influence toward improving my life at some extraordinary cost to myself. Of course, I was, I was aligning myself with those people, those people who try to tell the world that there was no election fraud, even when any normal, sane person can see overwhelming evidence of election fraud right in front of their faces. I was aligning myself with those people. See that, Kami? Now you're understanding. Now the wheels are a turning. But back to the documentary. Ron Watkins is not Q. That is one of the dumbest things that anyone has ever asserted. They also tried to say that Steve Bannon was Q. There's actually a better chance that Steve Bannon is the one writing the Q posts than Ron Watkins. But regardless, whoever's writing the Q posts is not by themselves Q. And the documentarian never really bothered 
looking into that theory. The documentarian never actually bothered looking into whether or not the things Q was pointing out in those posts were actually true. Whether there was actually election fraud or child trafficking. Whether, for instance, the Clinton Foundation has taken over Haiti and has actual children and people enslaved there. Didn't bother finding out anything about that. It didn't really talk much about Jeffrey Epstein. Might as well find out if anything in the Jeffrey Epstein story is true. Right, Kami? No, can't do that. We're just going to dismiss that as a conspiracy theory because we don't understand it. And we know that only the crazy people talk about Jeffrey Epstein and we're not crazy. So we're going to do what the media says. <laughs> you know, I saw on TV that like Jeffrey Epstein is a conspiracy theory. So you're a conspiracy theorist. And now I'm not going to listen to anything you say. The TV told me I'm good. You know what I really want to do? I want to hug Don Lemon while he's crying. No man should have to cry like that on television especially not while lying to me about the most important issues of our time. And the end of the documentary was kind of funny because he circled back to some of the figures from the earlier parts of the documentary, which he filmed in 2018. And one of those was the daily beast writer, Will summer, who has not changed his ideas about Q at all, even with new information, but he has just gotten fatter and older and crazier looking. And he's still a terrible writer and a terrible journalist. So who really cares? But the entire time, the documentarian explored every single avenue of what Q could be, except real. This right here is why I don't watch documentaries. Documentaries exist to convince you of something. They will present a situation that you don't know anything about. And by the end, you're supposed to have the opinion the documentarian has. I encourage everybody to actually look into Q themselves. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to think it's real. You don't have to think anything about it. You just have to try to find out what it is and then judge it with your own discernment. That's it. And that's what you should be doing with everything. The truth is that you can actually understand most of the necessary things about the world just by watching how the mainstream narrative, the central narrative changes. OK, I'm not saying that you need to believe the opposite of everything in the central narrative. I'm saying that you should be highly observant of the ways the central narrative changes. You can watch them let go of certain pieces of the narrative. And here's an example, right? So at the very deadly insurrection on January 6th, the next day, an officer named Brian Sicknick died of a stroke. His death was reported before he actually died. And the family was misled about the cause of his death, as was everyone else. For weeks, it was reported that Brian Sicknick was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher. He was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. That's what was said on television that was repeated by members of the Democrat Communist Party in the second fake impeachment. Turns out not to be true at all. It's not true at all. He was never hit over the head. There was no blood on his head. He did not die 
from being hit over the head, period. Now it's being reported that Brian Sicknick died from a stroke as a result of being sprayed with bear spray, which doesn't cause strokes, from 12 feet away where it wouldn't hit him. And then they want to bring some sort of murder charge on the person spraying the bear spray. Of course, that's not going to happen either. And I haven't looked into this in a few days, but I'm guessing that he didn't actually have bear spray either. So you can watch these little pieces of the narrative fall away, but you have to have the first narrative because without that, they wouldn't have been able to make the case about the very deadly insurrection in the first place. They would have had to focus on Ashley Babbitt, who they completely ignored while they were putting uh, Brian Sicknick's body in the Capitol Rotunda lying in state. Why did they do that? As a publicity stunt for their fake impeachment. Is that completely pathetic? Yes. Is it the exploitation of a man's death? Yes. Is it cruel to his family? Again, yes. Is it nothing more than communist propaganda? Also, yes. How did a relatively young, healthy man die of a stroke in the hospital? I don't know, but I'm sure that Hillary Clinton and Rod Rosenstein had absolutely nothing to do with it. You can take that to the bank. You simply need to watch how the narrative shifts. Like I could not look into the Brian Sicknick story at all. I could have not looked into it at all. And I could still know that the media and that the Democrat communists are lying about the story because I can watch the way they exploit the narrative, the way they exploit the person and his death and the way the narrative changes. I don't even need to read deeply into it to understand those factors. There was no time at which they didn't know the story. They told us a story so that they could use the story and so that rock dumb child brain communists would believe it. And that's it. That's all. And if you haven't watched the Q documentary Into the Storm on HBO, you should watch it and keep that concept in mind and watch how the narrative you're being told from the beginning to the end not only changes itself in critical ways, but also completely goes against the things we were originally told in the media about this series of events. And in that context, you can reflect current realities, like the fact that they're trying to get Telegram taken down on the basis of it being a platform for Asian hate. That makes no sense. Everyone has their own communities. There is no element of anti-Asian hate in any of the channels I pay attention to. It simply does not exist unless people provide it. I can go on Twitter. I can go in any mainstream outlet and find thousands of examples of anti-white hate being propped up and promoted by the old guard communist institutions. That's not hard to find at all. Finding anti-Asian hate on Telegram is actually difficult. Why? Because Telegram is not a platform for anti-Asian hate. Telegram is a platform for almost entirely free speech. And that's why they're trying to get it shut down. Just like they did when they were trying to get 4chan and 8chan and 8kun shut down. 
It has absolutely nothing to do with the thing that they're the cause that they're pretending to fight for. It just doesn't. It has to do with them wanting to censor because imagine, imagine what the country might know and might believe if we didn't have a massive propaganda machine convincing us of the dumbest ideas in the history of the world every single day. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!